gotta sit down. Oh. Where's the clicker? Son of a bitch. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. You know, I don't really care much for Frazier, but that dog Eddie, he's a hoot. Two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. Uh, how come the only person I recognize is Ryan Reynolds? Who are these other two? Uh, everybody loves Raymond. No, they don't. Everybody loves Peter Boyle, maybe. He's a star. He's one of my favorites. X-Files. This looks spooky. But look at that cloud. It's coming at me. He's waving his hand over. Oh, it's one of those light things. Stretchy guy. What's dumping? It's leaking. Those things are leaking. Uh, David Duchovny. FBI. Ooh, Jillian Anderson. Like to shine a flashlight at her. <laughs> hey, what's that red dot? What is that? Oh Jesus! Chris Carter, the truth is out there. Who is that? It's late. Just hang on. I gotta get out of the chair. What do you want? I'm watching the X-File. Hello, sir. You'll be coming with us. Where the hell are you going? We're going to the secret society meeting. Where you get that cloak at? Do I get one of those? Now please, sir. We have your name here in this book. What's that book? It looks like it's wrapped in skin. It's leather bound. Yeah, what kind of leather? Like... People leather? Just come along. Yeah, all right. Let me, let me get my jacket. We'll wait here, sir. Should I bring my travel Bible? Uh, you'll not be needing that. Yeah, all right. Let me turn the television off. All right, where are we going? I am now communing with the Dark Lord. You are listening to Fake Ritual Podcast with your host, Lucas Sloppy. Thank you, Mr. Couch Potato. Your secrets are safe with me. Greetings, all you fakers. And welcome to episode 3 of Fake Ritual, the podcast, your guide to pop culture and the occult. I'm your host, Lucas Sloppy, and today we'll be exploring the world of the X-Files. We'll tag along with Dana Scully and Fox Mulder, as well as my friend, Nick Duarte, as we pick apart the occult worlds lying within this classic TV franchise. Anyways... Here's the show. Enjoy.
I'm sitting here with one of my oldest friends and a big fan of our topic today, Nick Duarte. Hello, Nick. Hey, what's up, Lucas? How are you? Great. Really good. When did you discover The X-Files? Um, I started watching the show probably uh, with my dad, I guess. It was on Friday nights. My bedtime was 9 o'clock. So I knew The X-Files started at 9 o'clock. If I got to stay up and watch it, it was like, that whole time was like extra, you know uh, what I mean? Extra, oh, yeah. Extra time for my day. How old were you? Uh, I probably started watching the show when I was, I don't know, six or seven. Okay. Did I was really young, because my dad was like a big sci-fi freak. Did you think it was scary? Terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Um, and occasionally I would like try and coerce my mom to come watch it with me. Like if, if my dad was like asleep or something, Uh because I wanted to watch the show, but I was like, I can't do this by myself. Totally. Yeah. Just that intro alone is horrifying. It still scares me. That song, man. Yeah. Well, what was it that drew you to the show? Your little six, seven year old self. It was spooky. It was dark. I don't know. It was probably, you know, a departure from all of the normal things that somebody experiences at six and seven years old. That's true. Uh, was there any standout, like, images? <clears throat> Anything that really drew you in as far as, did you like the alien episodes? Did you like more, like, did you recognize some of the monsters or... The Monster of the Weeks, initially, mm-hmm. sucked me in. Uh, you know, because at a very young age, you don't, you don't know what's going on. It's just all imagery and colors and stuff, right? Yeah. And then as I got older, and I realized there's a whole story arc that spans the entire series. Story, all in quotes. Story. Yeah. Story arc. arc. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was like, as I grew and matured, um, I've kept discovering more things about the show that, like, were still relevant for me, you know? That's interesting. It is. The show <clears throat> does have kind of its own, it might uh, cover a cult subject matter, mm-hmm. but it does seem to have sort of this vibe to it that is kind of, it is a cult itself, almost in that it has a lot to mine within it well, that, yeah. that could have been intentional or that maybe wasn't, but ended up feeling like it was. Well, there's humor. There's drama, action. Yeah, there's a lot to... There's a lot to digest mm-hmm. there. And with it coming up, sort of being the first show where there were uh, internet message boards. That's true. And things discussing conspiracies and story arcs and things like this. Uh, this was one of the first shows that really like pulled from like the public consciousness... And incorporated that into the series itself. Totally. Well, this actually is a good segue into kind of getting into what influenced The X-Files. Itself, it being an influential show. Right. Uh, I was happy to discover, or interested to discover, that a big influence for Chris Carter, the creator, was the 1970s. It was a TV movie, and then eventually a show, Kojak the Night Stalker. Mm-hmm. 
it is undeniable when you watch it. It begins with a cold open of something supernatural befalling sort of a nobody character. This one I watched was about sort of a succubus. Darren McGavin plays a pseudo kind of post-counterculture detective. He's like a PI. He's a PI. He's a private eye. Yeah, a private investigator who follows up Does on... Does he wear a straw hat? He wears a straw hat. That's yes. what that yes. is. Yes. All right. And he... I watched one episode. It was enough to tell me that the show is good. And he plays it really well. He's just kind of... Uh, has Columbo vibe in a, in a little bit. He kind of wanders onto these crime scenes and the, and the, the cops there kind of find him to be a thorn in their sides, but... He kind of just overhears and, you know, plays the fool while he Ooh. actually gets to the bottom of what turn out to often be actual supernatural cases, be it Ooh. vampires, demons. Uh, and it's, I would suggest yeah, anybody that's a fan of the X-Files, just they're, all the episodes are on YouTube. Uh, but beyond that, we find ourselves with the two main characters, Dana, do you know her middle name? to say uh, Catherine dang dude you are a fan is it Catherine Dana Catherine Scully perfect and Fox I'm pointing to you I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get his Fox William Mulder damn it uh kind of playing the the skeptic being Scully and the believer and the believer being Mulder though the show definitely in certain episodes Kind oh, of yeah. had them switch. They play with places. that a little bit at different parts in the series for sure. Uh, and I just really like that dynamic. I mean, it's kind of what made the show so popular among many other things. But I just, as someone that goes back and forth between believing supernatural things, as like I'm a natural skeptic, but I also want to believe. So I really yeah. do relate to yeah. both characters. Uh, right throughout the show i just think that's a really important dynamic and i would i feel like people would too often see the show and be like oh i'm totally scully or i'm totally molder yeah you're never one or the other it's really it's like seinfeld or something you're all four of them you're not just kramer everybody's a little bit newman exactly oh yeah throw him in there too but yeah i just really uh Sort of like that dynamic, and I have something here that really gets to the crux of it. I have an article that was written in 2018 by Kelly Connolly at The Atlantic. The article is called What the X-Files Understood About the Search for Truth. This is the tension humming through the series. The only simple truths are the, quote, genuine fakes people construct, whether to manipulate others or just to get through the day. Clear-cut concepts, believer, skeptic, nameless villain, little gray men, inhabit a world that is otherwise hazy and confused, screaming for definition. Think of how often Mulder and Skelly are lit in silhouette, made mythic but small against the negative space around them. They are ideas about what it means to be human, but this somehow only makes them more vividly individual. They themselves are sort of like dichotomous and work against each other, but then when you put them like juxtaposed to the bigger, like, big bad government, they then are a team that works against that, like, larger evil. Yeah, that's a good point. Which is kind of interesting that, 
just in and of themselves, they sort of don't necessarily work against each other, but they play off of each other pretty well. And then uh, their, like, unity as a team is highlighted every time you see, like, an outside influence working against them. Yeah, uh, it really is. It kind of takes both Mm -hmm. a skeptic, skeptical mind but also one that's willing to think outside of the box and and look for those reasons that might be a little kooky Myself, my name is Kolshak of the Daily Chronicle. Kolshak reports the bizarre, the supernatural, the unexplainable. You again another crazy story. This nut thinks he's a vampire. You know what I call that? Irresponsible yellow journalism. He has killed four, maybe five women. I saw that so-called super killer wipe up the streets with your so-called police force. They don't want any help from amateur bloodhounds like you. I've been a reporter for 22 years. I've been a police officer for 30. Well, then why don't you retire? Each battlefield is issued one of these and uh, one of these. Are you suggesting that we pound one of these into Skorzeny's chest? No, no, into his heart. Darren McGavin, the Night Stalker. Episodes. We're going to get into episodes now. And Good. you can't talk about the episodes without talking about that intro. That intro, uh, up until like they rebooted it, that intro was the same. It is crazy, yeah. As much as the production yeah. increased and the writing was being handled by all these different yeah. people, all these cameos, all this. And it's the same... For, like, that entire, like, you know, 9, yeah. 10 season run. It's just, like, dopey, nine, you know, <clears throat> mid-90s CG. And those weird, like, what is it? Got, like, a, a hand with a red With, dot. like, the red knuckle or yeah. whatever. And, and I, I never knew what that was. And the screaming face man, the wiggly, <clears throat> wiggly face man. There's that. There's... Like, the two, I don't even know what they are. I guess I always thought they were, like, supposed to be ovaries or something. That oh, sort yeah. of, like, open up and spill liquid out of them. Oh, yeah. What? That was just, like, I wonder if there was any art direction behind that or if they just, like, threw spaghetti at the wall, so to speak. Yeah, I really don't know for that. I know that, like, eventually when Scully got pregnant, mm-hmm. I remember trying to think, like, had they planned this all along? Mm-hmm. Did they know what was going to happen in the show? Ah, uh, yeah, we all... They made references to it in this intro. Yeah, t- uh, but slowly find out that they really didn't. That theme song, actually, uh, Mark Snow went through four or five revisions of... 
the theme song for this TV show. Okay, Mark Snow is he the? He's the the music producer. music director or whatever. Whatever. Yeah. But he he did a couple different versions of that, um, and every time he would bring it to Chris Carter, uh, Chris would say, "No, you got to strip it down. You gotta. This is too much." And finally, Mark Snow was like so upset they're like ready to just give up he like threw his hands up in the air and just like leaned down on his piano and he had like a delay effect oh that was on well i mean it was a keyboard yeah yeah but so he hits a couple notes with his elbow and thinks oh that sounds kind of neat yeah and then so he adds another tone and then pretty quickly, he builds that, like, arpeggiated beginning, mm-hmm. right? And then he thinks, well, we just need a melody. So he fusses around for a little bit and comes up with a really simple melody. But, uh, and he's keeping it real simple, and he thinks that it's going to be, he's like, this is exactly what Chris wants, but it just needs a little something. So actually, uh, when that melody plays, there's a little bit of, like, a warbly sort of off-key element to that. Yeah. That's his wife, uh, that's his wife whistling along with the melody. Oh, the whistle of the, yeah. of the intro is... <clears throat> so he plays the melody on the keyboard, and his wife is whistling at the same time. Oh. And that's how they get that, like, strange... Sort of off-key... Sort of off-key tone. Oh, man, yeah. yeah so, it... when, so every time you watch The X-Files, you're listening to Mark Snow's wife whistle. That's actually... That makes sense. It has that... It gives it that human element that feels a little uh, uncanny. Like there's something... Yeah, it makes it... Something organic to it. You're unsettled before the show even begins. Yeah. So we're talking occult episodes. uh, And while, you know, X-Files, you could easily say that every episode is an occult episode. But for my purposes, I was thinking more along the lines of... You know, supernatural phenomena that more has a real-world basis, and maybe less so the less so the alien aspect of the show, because that's kind of what it really is known for. So, why don't we start with? And I'm going to butcher this, but any German listeners, please forgive me. Die Hand, die Verletzt. Pretty much, you you're dealing with like sort of satanic panic demons and secret societies in yeah. this one yeah yeah the the uh the opening to this was really good yeah they're they're talking about how they shouldn't do jesus christ superstar yeah. because it at first you think yeah it's interesting they paint them as this sort of conservative group that they don't really like right. maybe how jesus is treated in that or yeah you initially think that they're sort of a conservative christian group uh, and then I guess you slowly find out that they're sort of like a fair weather satanic group. Yeah, that too. Yeah, which I've really related <laughs> to because in any sort of a magical practice that I've yeah. dabbled in, I've always been fair weather. I grew yeah. up a fair weather Christian and I became a fair weather occultist. Yeah. But I really like that intro with the uh, yeah they like they light the candles and, and they, the door. You see they, the you see the like the evil light illuminating from the edges of the closed door. Though your German fails you, uh, translated to English, the title is uh, The Hand That Wounds. Ah, yes, and that would pertain to this 
you end up thinking uh, there's kids dying. The, the, the secret satanic society thinks it's... Who do they think it is? They think it's a... Sa- well, they blame it on a satanic cult. Well, they do in, in out loud. Yeah. But they themselves... They think- themselves believe, if I remember correctly, oh. that they have sort of brought back... Uh, or like Satan has come to sort of like uh, punish them for their like lack of uh, like really adhering to the tenets of whatever cult they yes. are a member of. Because they keep referencing the fact that they're sort of like, oh, we were going to do that, but then uh, we just didn't get to the hard part of the ritual or whatever. It's like they sort of just like are there paying lip service to... yeah. Yeah, I think, and from everything I read, it was basically, like, uh, supposed to be referencing, like, Fairweather Christians that just go on yeah. Christmas and Easter. Totally, yeah, which I thought was a really cool way to show that, that it kind of undermined the satanic panic while also right. kind of pointing, you know, a spotlight on almost the polar opposite of that. But in the in the story, they're not wrong that they are being... Not necessarily punished, but it turns out one of the the newer teachers mm-hmm. is herself. Mrs. Is, Paddock. You were saying the hand that wounds. Yeah. I believe that would be referencing to her. She seems to curse people and, and yeah. get them to do her bidding by taking a... Taking a personal object, holding it in her, in her hand over a candle. Uh, Dan Butler, you may know from... Frasier. From Frasier, he is Frasier. He was Bulldog, Bulldog Frasier, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dan Butler plays the, uh, he's sort of the one guy in this episode that, like, sort of eventually, like, you know, gives up all the info. Um, they try to frame, they try to say they're, they're going to make his daughter who committed suicide, like, the scapegoat for all of this satanic panic yeah and he says no he kind of says you know i don't i'm starting to see through the lies here yeah i don't think i want to play along anymore but then he gets eaten by mrs paddock's he gets snake yeah which turns out i i read the actor uh was it dan butler yeah was terrified terrified of of snakes yes which, rightfully so, that was a big, it was a huge big snake. old snake. Uh, very the cool. snake ate him in like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, it would take a snake like months. It shed its skin too. It, it ate yeah. him, shed its skin. But I guess because it was full of Satanist meat. What you gonna do? It's easier to digest something when there's no soul to account for, I guess.
talk about Zizigy? You want to talk about Zizigy? That was a good one. Yeah, featuring a very young and plump cameo by one Mr. Ryan Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. He's got an earring. He's got an earring, and I did not recognize him at first. Oh, I totally did. He was puffy. Yeah, two guys, a girl, and a puffy teenager. (laughs) Yeah, two guys, a girl, and and a Letterman jacket. Yeah. Uh, which yeah, J De Boom, which J- that's his name. In J De Boom. Yeah, <laughs> they call him Boom, right? Yeah, yeah. His nickname's Boom because his last name's De Boom. Well, yeah. So he, you know, it opens with him that some one of his fellow football players has died, and sad. It is sad. Yeah, he. It, you can do. He. I mean, much like many of the the guest appearances and you know side characters mm-hmm. in x-files he acts the shit out of this tiny yeah, yeah. scene he's yeah. it's only the cold open that he has any yeah. speaking roles and i i legit fell for him uh i didn't feel for him at all oh wait ne- yeah neither did i he was trying to get lucky with what? two high school girls no. at the same time he's in high school yeah, but they were trying to get lucky with him. Well, Remember what you quoted it earlier. All right. Yeah. He's driving them to what they they want. He was going to drive them home. These are the and these are the chief antagonists. The uh, two girls, Terry Roberts and Margie Kleinjan. Kleinjan. Uh, yeah, Terry and Margie. Two yeah, they, blonde high school students mm-hmm. that are terrified of once again the satanic panic. Yeah. Yeah. This, so supposedly, I mean, there is a satanic cult, and they are going around, and they are killing blonde virgins. And Terry and Margie, both at the same time, in the same truck, confide, confide in young Ryan Reynolds that maybe they wouldn't be quite so scared if they weren't virgins. Yeah. <laughs> and he promptly turns off the road. Probably to do sex with them. I mean, but it turns out I think that's what they wanted him to do. Yeah. Because the next thing we know, the cops are on the crime scene because yeah, he's hanging morning. from a tree yeah, in hanging. this rock quarry. Yeah, he's hung himself, and Margie and Terry are sitting on a. Uh, the camera pans up yeah. the rope, this red rope that they're sitting on a on a blanket, having uh, a picnic. Yeah, they're picking the petals off of a flower, like. He loves me. He loves loves me me not. Oh man, it was that. This this episode really threw me for a loop. I I really dug it. It felt this one feels like a a movie to me. Yeah, it really feels like a cool movie. So turns out these two girls, their birthday has fallen on what is uh, a zizigy, which is whenever three celestial bodies align. Align. It's Mars, Uranus, and Saturn, I believe, in the show. Yeah, because uh, Mulder and Scully visit a, an astrologer. Yeah, it turns out that these two girls share a birthday, and That's the birthday right. is when these celestial bodies align, right. causing them to be at the center of, I guess, somehow it gives them telekinetic powers yeah, and well, makes uh, them... It gives them, yeah, it gives them bad. some sort of cosmic abilities. 
Well, yeah, we see throughout so the show. Yeah, it, basically it seems to manifest as anybody that they have ill will towards something bad happens to. Throughout the show, we also see this affecting Mulder and Scully. They sort of throw yeah, I think, shade at each other. Yeah, I think this has something to do... Uh, so, everything that I've read about this, supposedly Chris Carter... Uh, made them have this sort of friction between them to illustrate uh, the fact that there was never going to be a romantic relationship between Fox Mulder and Dana Scully. Yeah. But yeah, I in this, I love seeing them. Like, she, Scully keeps saying uh, detect, this, yeah. this line. Do you remember what the line is? It's like, okay, sure, whatever. She keeps saying and sounding yeah. like... Yeah. Uh, well, this is also... Uh, Chris Carter consciously made the decision to have them uh, kind of have a quibble about the driving. Yes. Because historically, Mulder was always the driver. Yeah, and I guess internet forums had yeah, been pointing this, this is, out. Yep. And this is, again, where we see first show that this ever happened with. Yeah. Where people start to have feedback, and they responded. But yeah, ultimately, these girls, Mulder and Scully both attempt to take them down and so they just well the girls end up hating each other yeah yeah as the uh so as these planets become more and more in line their powers seem to continually grow to the point where uh they both have a crush on the high school football captain whatever. Oh, yeah after that and after they kill his yeah kill his girlfriend in a bloody mary yeah, so, <laughs> situation so, gone wrong. Yeah, and then uh, they confront this gentleman, and they're both sort of like talking about how they have a crush on him, and they're like, "He doesn't like it either." He's he like, doesn't like any of it. He's like, "My girlfriend just died. Can and I you don't want please?" Any part of this. <laughs> so these two girls just argue and argue about which one likes him more. Uh, As he just stands in this and, uh, garage. Like, he yeah, headlights are blowing up mm -hmm. and car engines are starting and shit. And then all of a sudden a spring pops off of the door and impales this young gentleman. Yeah. It's like they can't even get along enough to like agree on who's going to have the boyfriend so he ends up dying. And then finally, once the planets are no longer in alignment, after midnight... Uh, their powers just disappear. Yeah, and then they're, they've been locked in a room to just go at it and perhaps just kill each other, and they open the door, and they're just holding Fine. each other and crying. Yeah. And if unless I'm remembering incorrectly, there's never a satanic cult. Yeah. There's they, nothing to do with a satanic cult. At all, yeah, despite there being, like, this ta There's a mob. Uh, also, another fun fact, I know that uh, apparently high schools are a recurring theme here because... Uh, Grover Cleveland Alexander High School. That is, is the, the high school that this is taking place yeah. at. Uh, that was a reference to a Jeopardy question that David Duchovny got wrong. Oh, dang. That is really... Damn, they're really sticking it to him on this yeah, one. Yeah, they got him.
This hospital has a strange way of losing patients. He basically stabbed the man to death in his sleep. Is it human error? The shape of a pentagram. Or human sacrifice? <laughs> a brand new X-Files, Sunday at 9, 8 central. The doctor is out there. I think this patient is finished. Seems to be we're we're stuck on these uh, satanic leaning episodes, so it's, let's keep it going because yeah. I want to talk about Sanguinarium. Sanguinarium, which of all the episodes I watched was by far the most viscerally disturbing. Yeah, it was a good episode, um, and also this is like definitely one of my earlier introductions to the occult and Satanism and. What is a Satanist and what is a pentagram? Because, I mean, you know, I saw this when I was about eight years old. Yeah, this one, see, the, the Zizigy and, you know, Dehond, uh, kind of, well, Dehond has, like, legit Satan worshippers and an actual demon. This one seems to have more of that just, like, there's something creepy. Uh, the creepiness is about someone practicing these dark arts, this whatever topics X-Files covers, they seem to always give you that realistic vibe of things happening behind the scenes, things unknown to the general public. Yeah. Whether it's alien conspiracy perpetrated by the government or something like this where you have yeah. a plastic surgeon who has... who A plastic surgeon who is... What? Refresh me on the plot. He. What? He's. He is. So if he's I, possessing people. If I am to understand this correctly, because I it was lost on me a little bit, right? I'm gonna be forthright here. Uh, why does he cut his face off? Basically, we got a. He's a doctor. Yeah. And he's either. Uh, like a demon that's inhabiting bodies. I think he's just a, a or, practitioner. He's or a he's magician. like a practitioner of the dark arts. Anyways, this doctor, uh, supposedly every like five or ten years, basically sacrifices people. Ah, oh, yes. So yes. that he can uh, either switch bodies or switch faces. I haven't figured that out exactly. Yeah, they, like, at one point it's revealed that he looks different than he was but he well at one see, point he, he looks different this uh, you know it like happens every five or ten years and it's you know he looks different now but he looks but, impossibly different yeah like plastic beyond, surgery couldn't do plastic surgery could not do the thing that was done to his face to make him look different and even though he's sort of an old gross man it's implied that these are aesthetically pleasing changes to his face yeah, he's he's weird looking. But I don't know if he's like possessing different bodies or if he is just stealing people's faces. Well, that wasn't what I at least took was there was almost this sort of like magic v magic where you have these people being possessed and committing atrocities on 
just what otherwise should be routine surgery. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then you have the one, I think, like, the nurse is at first suspected of the crimes and of the possession. But she's actually She's trying to save them. Yeah, which I really like that. a pentagram. An upright, yeah. Like a, yeah, a regular upright pentagram under the hospital bed to try and counteract these dark arts that are taking place. Yeah, she's almost like a Wiccan to this this yeah. surgeon's sat, you know, Satanist. But I gotta say, the kills in this are brutal, disgusting. That oh, that first one when he does the liposuction. The and when you sound see the sound is disgusting, and then they have the. Uh, the stereotypical clear tube that's sucking like the fatty yes. substance, and then all of a sudden it runs red. Yeah, and he's just Ugh. sucking the guts out of the guy, and it's fucking. And what else gross. do we got? We got a face face peel that he just. Oh, oh he like burns that woman's face. Yeah, and it I can't believe they showed this on Yeah, it was really any kind violent. of network or cable television. Yeah. It is and gruesome. The there was the gentleman that was supposed to have the scalp reduction. What happened to him? Did he burn through that guy's He burned through his face, face with, a, with laser. a laser. Through his face with a laser. And I did yeah. find it creepy these everybody they commit these atrocities and then they be they return to their their normal state and are made aware of, of what, what they've, they've just done, done. and yeah, that is like, almost the most terrifying. Yeah, it's like they have like a like a psych like a psychotic break. For yeah, a because they've been yeah. you know taken over. Just that notion of these outside forces causing you to become something you're not, and then you also are faced with the terror of what you've done. Yeah, because these people they're all dead. The, yeah. the victims, there's no. At first, you're like, oh, whoa, they're just going to get maimed. And it's like, right. no, 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 they're dead. At the very least, they're incapacitated, so... Right. <laughs> I guess yeah, they're... so the nurse... Uh. Yeah, the nurse, Rebecca Waite, mm-hmm. who's played by Olan Jones, uh, she is trying to protect them, and Dr. Jack Franklin is the evil doctor. Man, files has yeah. such good, basic names jack franklin yep yep he's the one that's trying to just prolong his life forever uh and all of these victims uh they all of their birthdays are on witches sabbaths yes that was the that's what it is that's how he chooses his victims yes i really like that aspect too although i i couldn't help but scream at the tv when Mulder pronounced it sam hain yeah he did say that i was like motherfucker it's sal win you know, not everybody's going to know that. Well, especially him. It turns out I found found it interesting, and I probably should have talked about this earlier, but I'll say it now. Maybe cut it in. David Duchovny is a staunch skeptic. He doesn't believe in extraterrestrial in life. In real life. In real life. Oh. And Gillian Anderson was and still is kind of a new age woo-woo... You know, like, not necessarily to an annoying degree. I just found that to be... She's perfect. Yeah, like, huh. So they're playing against who they actually are. That is interesting. Not to mention the fact that Scully is a Catholic, so... Yeah. And and, and Mulder's Mulder's character's always kind of giving her shit. He's like an agnostic, 
Andy believes in little green men. She believes in like you know. Yeah, like uh, the virgin mother and yeah, I but nothing but nothing else. Again, that back and forth with the believer skeptic and what does it actually mean to be either? Right, we each kind of like how I feel about things. We sort of are depending on what the thing is. Yeah, we believe some things that are nonsense. We're skeptic of some things that have a lot of proof. Yeah. Uh, also, you should be aware uh, the the protective witch in yes. this episode, Rebecca Waite, uh, was originally named after a friend of the writer, Rebecca White. What like a like a white? She's a white witch. That's just her name. Yeah. But they changed her last name to Waite. Some believe that it's because of the Rider Waite tarot card. Deck. Oh, I like that. Okay. Okay, you tied it in. receiving this information about the body's location. How should I know? I mean, are you seeing it in a vision, or is it a sensation? How do you know where to go? I just know. But how do you know? I don't know. Look, it's just up ahead. You know, there are worse ways to go, but I can't think of a more undignified one than autoerotic asphyxiation. Why are you telling me that? Look, forget I mentioned it. It's none of my business. Oops, pull over here. Let's talk about Clyde Brockman's final repose. And this we got a psychic helping Scully and Mulder find a serial killer who is murdering fortune tellers. How's that for a plot synopsis? Pretty crazy. We also have uh, the stupendous Yoppy in this episode. Oh yeah, is he a recurring character? Is he ever featured later? I actually don't know. He's got that generic accent. You know, for as for as just asinine as this character is, I don't know if he re- is recurring or not. I'm going to get back to you on that. What I do like about the juxtaposition of you have the great, what is it, Yappy? Uh-huh. Uh, who's this con man of a psychic uh-huh. and using it to make money, as opposed to Peter Boyle's character, Clyde Bruckman, who is actually psychic and hates it. But it's because his power is really only being able to know how people will die. Yeah, and nothing else. Including himself. Which this also, to tie this into a fan theory, and I don't know if you're familiar with this, at one point Scully asks Clyde, how am I going to die? And he says, you don't. But yeah, I have heard that Scully is immortal. Yeah, which I just, I love fan theories. I really got to try to get more of those onto the show. Fan theories are kind of my bread and butter uh-huh. because it's kind of that. I think it's called the fallacy of intention or intentional fallacy where it doesn't matter what a creator of a story, a TV show, a movie. It's what people take and run Yes, yeah, doesn't matter what they intended. Right. It matters what is there to be found. Yeah. 
But back to Clyde. Uh, this was such a cool episode with the the fortune tellers mm-hmm. uh, as well. Because you have uh, you have the murderer. Yes, who who, uh, who believes that he's he so has good. some amount of psychic ability. He believes he's a puppet. He he. Yeah. The opening scene, he he goes to the fortune teller and says, like. Uh, can you tell me why I'm going to do what I'm going to do? Yeah. Like, and it's very creepy, this dis, this a disassociation he has with his own right. actions, which is... And finally, Peter Boyle tells him, you're a homicidal maniac. And that at the end, and he goes, oh, that does make sense. Right, and it's just <laughs> that simple. Yeah, but, oh man, God love Peter Boyle. He really... He's got such... There's so many moments of levity in this. He makes a reference to Mulder dying of autoerotic asphyxiation. I know, and I, I, I think I texted you when I was re-watching yeah. this episode for this podcast, because I do my homework sometimes. Uh, I said, did you catch that? Is he making reference to David Duchovny having a sex addiction? Yeah, I... Just absolutely like, blew my mind. I didn't know what to think of that. Yeah, it's just a really fun moment. I mean, he says it right in front of he I says know, it right in front of Scully too. So. I know, and like knowing that, uh, and knowing that the writers often have these little in jokes and little like tongue in cheek references, yeah, to things either going on in the real world or otherwise in the show. You often wonder, like, did you mean to do that? What is that? Why did you say that? Just a great episode, uh, and a great show. Every time that I go back and rewatch any amount of this show, not only do I find things that I've never seen before, mm-hmm. but it's still good. It's still really good. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of sum it all up with this review I found that was written in 1994 for The New Yorker by James Walcott titled X Factor, and it was sort of his review at the end of the first season, which okay. I think kind of gets to the crux of what uh, you know the X-Files continu- continued to mean in uh, subsequent seasons. He says, Nobody on the X-Files is ever dead dead. People die with a shudder, their souls removed like luggage, to be rerouted elsewhere. Perhaps the afterlife will be part of the information superhighway, a hub in cyberspace. What's erotic about the show is its slow progression from reverie to revelation, stopping just short of rapture. It wants to swoon, but swooning would mean shutting its eyes, and there's so much to see. It's erotic. Fuck yeah. X-Files, triple X-Files, if you ask me. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I want to thank Nick again for being on the show and putting in the work. Well, you're, you're not on social media. No, I don't really have time for and that. And you got nothing to promote, so no. I guess you are your own X-File. Your own mystery unto yourself. So, all you fakers out there, find this man. Discover this man. Open the door and look for the secret of one Mr. Nick Duarte. Thanks again for being on the show. Thanks, Lucas. Okay. We'll say bye. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Well, that's our show. Thanks for tuning in. 
be sure to visit us at the blog at www.fakeritual.blog. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Fake Ritual and on Twitter at Fake Ritual Blog. You can also email us at fake.ritual.inc at gmail.com. The fake is out there, folks. The question is, are you fake enough to find it?